I'm going to show you three pictures. We've been doing this every week, all right, and learning more about uh, you guys, but I want to um, ask you which picture, which scenario would instill more fear in you, okay? And let's pretend no one dies, okay, in these scenarios, but uh, which one will produce most fear? So A, option A, is a close encounter with a tornado. Has anybody ever seen a tornado in real life? Y'all have? Never have. I kind of would like to, honestly. I mean, from a distance, from a health, healthy distance, okay? Um, seen some damage, you know, when they came through Suffolk and stuff, and we helped do some of the cleanup and stuff for that. Just absolute devastation. It's terrifying, okay? All right, so that's option A. Uh, option B is the close encounter with a grizzly bear. Y'all see in Suffolk, there's a bear in someone's driveway. Do y'all see any of those pictures online uh, this, this weekend? And um, so, yeah. Uh, would, would that be terrifying? Okay, close encounter. All right. And uh, C, a close encounter with a storm on the open seas. Much larger than the ship or boat you're in. Will's like, eh, no big deal. You're not in a Coast Guard vessel, okay? All right, so let's take a vote here. Option A, who's going to vote for tornado? Anybody? Is that the most terrifying? A couple of you. Okay, Bama, you've seen one, and you're still, you're going with A. Okay, all right. Option B, uh, close encounter with a grizzly bear. A few of you, okay. You don't get eaten. All right, that's, that's primary goal. All right, C, close encounter with a storm on the ocean. Oh, man. Whoa, a lot of, a, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm a C guy. I'm a C guy. So I don't know why. Y'all seen the movie Perfect Storm? What? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, perfect storm. And so it, it'd be terrifying. I don't know why, what it is about, about that. Um, but do you know, you know fear isn't completely bad? You know that? Fear is, I mean, fear, healthy fear, difference in healthy fear and phobia. Phobia is irrational fear, but healthy fear is what keeps you alive, you know? It's what keeps me alive. It's what, and Beth says, um, I have this, this thing, I'm sorry, I, I got to, um, sorry, Pete. I'm spit my mint on your um, your stuff. Um, rule number one of public speaking: don't don't have stuff in your mouth. Um, I thought that mint would be gone, but it wasn't. <laughs> that was nasty. I do apologize. <laughs> Not recording, are you, Faye? No, no video. Um, what's I talking about? My wife. Okay. My wife um, says, you know, you're going to kill us because, like, I have this thing with wild animals. So, like, if, if it were, we ever came across a grizzly bear, I'm that guy you might read about in the news. Like, what was he thinking? You know what I'm saying? Because I want to see how close I can get to, to animals and, and touch it, poke it, with something, you know, with stick, chase it. I mean, I got stories of wild alligators, 12 foot long, you know, you're like, dude, it's on a nest, and you're like poking it with a stick, and it's like, you know, like, and that's the kind of thing that it's, it's exhilarating, you know, best like, you're going to kill us, you're going to kill us, uh, poisonous snake, man, let's catch it, you know what I'm saying, and, and let's, let's, you know, sling it, or, you know, do something, and she's like, you're going you're gonna to kill us, but there's something about fear which actually keeps us alive, a healthy fear of a t- tornado, you know, we see those shows, so people who are chasing tornadoes, you're like, dude, you're crazy, you're going to die. Or a healthy fear of grizzlies will keep you alive every once in a while, a few times a year, you read stories of people who did something stupid, they got too close, or trying to take a selfie with a bear, or, you know, something crazy, and it didn't, you know, the home team lost. Um, 
or uh, a healthy fear of stormy seas will make uh, you, uh, you, you boat people. It will make you uh, check the weather report before you go out. And I've been out in the ocean before on, on an offshore charter when, when the waves were, uh, ten, the swells were 10 foot higher than the boat. And let's just say I spent a lot of time hanging overboard, chumming is what they called it. Um, so, so fear is what keeps alive. So today we're continuing our series, Erasing Fear. For five weeks, uh, we're kind of looking at this idea of fear and uh, really what to do with that fear. So... Um, Fear doesn't come from God. The Bible, the Bible says that. And, but, but so many of us find ourselves riddled with fear. I think there's things you didn't know you were afraid about until we've been talking about them for the past few weeks. You know, we've been talking about things like the fear of failure. And a lot of, a lot of people are paralyzed by, by this idea of, of trying things or attempting to do things they, that God has laid on their heart or passions um, that God has laid or abilities that God has given them. And, and so many of us are paralyzed to step into those realities because we fear failing. And uh, the, we looked at the fear of rejection, which is very similar, but we fear uh, what people think over what God thinks. And so uh, we'll do anything almost just to be accepted. And last week, we kind of got in touch with ourselves a little bit, right? And we talked about the fear of intimacy and, and that, the idea of, of knowing and being known fully and how that's terrifying uh, for a lot of us. And, and we talked about how sin, sin is uh, the root of, of, of the fear of intimacy. It's the root of all fear, but it's the fear of, the, uh, fear of intimacy. And um, we become, find ourselves becoming distant. We find ourselves becoming defensive with God and with those around, around us, even ourselves, you know. So this is our reality, I think we, we can be clear, we're, we're on the same page, that we're conflicted people, that we're riddled with fear, though God has, uh, he's told us in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. And so while we spend a lot of time on erasing fear, today uh, we're going to switch things up a little bit, and I would like to just instill just a little bit of fear in, in you today, okay, if that's Okay. Because we're told that, that fear, um, uh, fear is, is cre creeps in our life, and, and, and most of the time that's ungodly fear. But the Bible tells us over and over and over that there's one thing that we should, should fear. What is that? God. The one thing that we should fear is God. Now, uh, right now you might be a little bit conflicted. Like, what? Like, fear God? Is, is God a monster? Is God like the boogeyman hanging out under the bed? Is God, uh, is he angry? Is he just sitting there with his notebook and his, uh, his ticket pad waiting for you to mess up? And he's he going to write you a citation. It, it, like, what is this God that we should fear? He just can't wait to punish you. And, and this is the view that many people have of God, Christians and non-Christians. And, and it keeps people from trusting God because their view of God is that God is scary. He's angry. He's a monster. He's just waiting for, to punish you. So it's one of the reasons why people don't trust God. But the Bible paints a different picture uh, of the fear of God. You know, the idea of fearing God, often called the fear of God in the scriptures, it's found over 300 times uh, in the Bible, and, and that's a lot. In fact, I knew, I knew it was found in the scriptures. I didn't know it was found this much in the scriptures until I started really studying uh, for this message. And, and it's interesting because a lot of people I know 
and that includes a lot of uh, Christians, don't have a single ounce of fear for God at all. Not even the slightest bit. And, and, and so that might be a, a slight problem for how we, how we perceive God and how we live for God. And so even for people who believe in God and try to live for Him, there's no fear. And at times, um, it's maybe where you are. Uh, we love the safe God, God in a box, God we can control, God that we can wrap our brain around, and uh, the God who stays within the lines of our expectations. And He's just kind of more or less like a, this cuddly little teddy bear who comforts us, and, and there's nothing bad about him, but everything's just good, it's all for me, for me, for me. But, you know, in the Bible, when people encountered God regularly, what was their reaction? It was terrified, like, like pee your pants kind of stuff. They're, they're freaking out. People were terrified, and when they encountered God, there was fear. And so today, we're going to look real quick at a, a passage in Exodus chapter 20, and, and the storyline here in the Bible is, is God is giving Israel, that is, that is his covenant people that God was bringing about Jesus from, uh, to bless the whole world, us, uh, through. So God was giving them uh, what we know as the Ten Commandments. Most people have heard about the Ten Commandments. And, and so he's given the, uh, these commandments through Moses. And so Moses has the task of he's going he's gonna to go up on Mount Sinai. And he's going to have a shindig, a powwow with God, where God's going to reveal his commands for his people. But no one else gets to go on the mountain. Uh, in fact, they, they've been uh, warned, don't, don't go near it, don't even touch it, or you will die. And so God warned them through Moses that if they went on the mountain, they, that they would certainly die. And so, so God gives Moses these commands, you know, like the Ten Commands, no other gods before me. You know, no idols, don't misuse God's name, remember the Sabbath day, keep that holy, honor your parents, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, do not covet. And so we, we, God was setting up a society uh, under the guidelines of his, uh, his, his principles of, of his will for them. And then we see the people's response. We're not going to get into the Ten Commandments, but, but people's response right after uh, this happens Everyone's gathered around. Everyone's looking at Mount Sinai. Uh, they're on the edge of their seats, you know, eating popcorn, waiting, seeing, seeing how this shindig is going to go with Moses. And he's having this meeting with God up on the mountain, high up on the mountain. And, and they're waiting. And, and so Moses goes, and, and Exodus 20, verse 18 says, All the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain surrounded by smoke. And when the people saw it, they what? They trembled. Some, some translations say they trembled in fear. But they, they trembled it. They freaked out. And they, they stood at a distance. And they, and they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. They said to Moses, but don't let God speak to us or we will die. And so they had this experience, you know, they saw God from a distance, uh, and there were sights, and there were sounds, and there was uh, vibrations, and people saw and heard and felt this trembling in God's presence, and, and, and even though they're from a distance, it caused them to freak out. They didn't want to be the ones that had to communicate with God because they were so terrified of the experience that they saw. And they knew that as mere humans, that they wouldn't be able to survive such an overwhelming experience as God speaking to them. And so they watched it from a distance and, 
and as they were as they were as they were commanded to stay away but they weren't exactly inching close to the edge they were terrified trembling verse 20 says that Moses responded to the people what did he say to them do not be afraid which is ironic because in the same breath he says for God has come to test you so what so that you will fear him and the Hebrew is the same word. One's the verb form, one's the noun form. He's like, don't be afraid, but be afraid. Doesn't make sense, right? So don't be afraid, for God has come to test you so that you will fear him and will not sin. And the people remained standing at a distance as Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. And so the people, here they are, they're freaking out. They see this expression of God uh, revealing himself to Moses, and, and Moses telling them, don't be afraid, but I want you to be afraid of God. So, so God was testing them to see how they would respond to God's presence. So what does it mean to fear God, first of all? You know, the word fear in, in this context, it, um, it means to fear, okay? It means to revere, be afraid, to, to be in awe. Have you ever had moments where all those emotions kind of accumulate into one experience. There's fear. There's reverence. There's awe. And some people, you know, some people say that, that God uh, is not, uh, it, we're not supposed to be afraid of God, like scared of Him, but we're supposed to have this reverent awe. And, and that's partially true. It, it, it is this reverent awe that we're supposed to have. But I think that the Bible intends is showing us also we're supposed to have a healthy fear of God as well. Like to be afraid mixed with this reverent awe as we are amazed at who he is. So, so I think just playing it as reverent awe is a little bit tamed down, but uh, it's also partially true. So any of you guys love storms? Like watching uh, big thunderstorms roll in? It, it's, it, to me, I enjoy that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to hear the thunder rolling, seeing the formation in the clouds. And when, then the coolest part is if you see the sky start lighting up, you know, and, and uh, um, thunderbolts and lightning. Very, very frightening, you know. Thank you. And, uh, and, and just you see the display across the sky. And a lot of people love storms. Some people are terrified, but I think it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's exhilarating. It's, it's a little bit scary at times. And, and um, here's the thing. I love storms from a distance. I like to go fishing. And one of the f spots we used to fish on, but they just closed the pier, is um, Seagull Pier, which is out on the Monitor, Ma uh, uh, not Monitor, uh, Chesapeake Bay Bridge. Okay, so you're three and a half miles off of, of the shore uh, um, out where the Chesapeake Bay and the Atlantic Ocean kind of connect. And, and, and there you can see for many, many miles in any direction. So you're out there fishing in, in this night, and you can see thunderstorms. And you're like, oh, man, this is, that's scary because we're out here on a pier holding fishing poles. But then you look up the radar, and you're like, man, that's like 15 miles away. We're good. So we can enjoy this from a distance. We get to see the light display, but, but you don't realize how far something is uh, when you're out there on the wide open water. So I love storms from a distance. But if that same storm was on top of me, and the winds and the rain and thunder, bolts of light and lightning booming all around me, I'm not going to be a guy out there holding a fishing pole on a pier, right? No, I'm going to run, I'm going to scream like a little schoolgirl, and I'm going to go cover. 
for cover, okay? I'm going to, it's, it'll be terrifying if it were booming all around you. What about a toma- tornado? Not a tomato, but a tornado. <laughs> There's not a whole lot scary about tomatoes. Um, though there is this one time, never mind. Um, but tornado, you know, I've never actually seen a funnel cloud in person, but I, w- I imagine um, it would be incredible. Terrifying, but incredible. It'd be awesome. Uh, and up close, it'd be completely like terrifying. And so we can see that something can have this effect on us as both terrifying and both awe-inspiring at, at the same time. This experience that, that makes us awe and revere the moment and something that also uh, gives, uh, makes us respect and fear it because it's powerful. It can kill you, but it's the same power which makes it incredible, an incredible experience that, that you get to, to uh, be a part of. And guys, that's how it is with God is that he's incredible. He's beautiful. He's powerful. Yet terrifying. You know, and this isn't just the Old Testament God. A lot of times people say, well, God, the Old Testament is mean, angry. The God of the New Testament is, is loving. And, and that's not true. That's not true. You get a lot of uh, passages about God being loving in, in the Old Testament. And you have uh, some passages about God's judgment in the New Testament. And so, in fact, we see Jesus say this in Matthew 10. He's like, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Okay, talking about the people who might persecute them. Like, don't, don't fear them. Rather, be afraid of who? The one. And the translators here capitalize the one because it's a reference to God. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body. Who, who, some people say that's Satan. It's not Satan. Satan can't destroy the soul and the body, and he can't cast anybody in hell. It's, it's God who is the judge. As God's the judge. And so even Jesus is saying, like, look, you need to have a little bit more than just uh, uh, reverent awe. Man, that we need to have fear. This reverent awe mixed with, with, uh, uh, with, with seeing who, G- who God really is. And so over the past few weeks, we've been talking about how to get rid of fear in our life. Ungodly fear. And that's fear because we forget to see who God is. But when we really see who God is, the scripture says that we fear him. We need to fear him. And that's a healthy fear. And so I want to give a couple ways real quick that we can uh, grow in the fear of God. And, and maybe this is a concept, which is a concept we're not certainly used to um, talking about. But, but here's a couple of things. The first thing, I think this, is, is we need proximity with God. Proximity with God. You know, just like a storm from far off. 15, 20 miles away, it's not scary. It's not scary at all, not even a little bit, right? A bear in the zoo behind bars, it's not terrifying. But if you're hunting and you're out in the woods, it's coming at you, a little bit more terrifying. You should ask Steve Carl about his mother-in-law experience with the grizzly. Where are you at, Steve? Yep. So ask, ask, ask him, all right? Um, and, uh, but we need proximity with God. The closer that we are to God, the more that we see who he is. And the more that we know him, the more we have this fear, this reverent 
awe, this respect uh, mixed with this terror. It causes the tremble because we see who God is. And, and you know, when Moses was on the mountain, uh, people looked on from a distance. They were close enough to see, to hear, to experience all the effects of, that's going on. And so they were terrified, but, and, and God told them not to go on the mountain. And so they, they didn't risk it because they saw and they heard they felt the presence of God. Now, you and I will not fear a God that is distant. And what that might mean for you is you won't fear a God that's distant in your life, okay? You won't fear a God who's distant in your life. A God who's forgotten, a God who's second, a God who's on the back burner, a God who's convenient. That kind of God will never um, have the beauty, the awe, and the terror that the Scripture shows us. And so when we feed our, fo- uh, our souls, church, like when we, when we feed ourselves, our, feed our souls on the Scripture, you know, we see more clearly uh, daily. That's why we say you need to be in God's Word. You need to uh, be reading it uh, every day. And, and the more we read it, the more we feed on the Scriptures, the more we see who God is. And, and we see that, is He, is he loving? Yes. Like that's, that's the thread through the whole Scripture, that God is a God of love. God is love, the Scripture says. But is He almighty? Yes. Is he, is he a judge? Yes. Is that a little bit terrifying? Yeah. And so we won't be changed. You will not be changed by a God that you do not experience. That you do not experience. So if you don't fear God, it might be because you've been distant from him for too long. So what you need is you need proximity. You need to seek God. You need to humble yourself. You need to be in his word. You need to be going to the so-called mountain so we can have proximity with God. The second way that we can kind of instill just a a healthy fear of God is is that we need to see and be reminded of His majesty. We need to see and be reminded of His majesty. You know, this is something that sometimes it gets a little bit uh, downplayed in our culture. You know, years ago there were some... uh, the t-shirts were real popular that Jesus is my homeboy, you know. And, you know, it's fun. You know, whatever. Jesus was a hippie, whatever. But... But really, that's, that's a little bit off picture of the, of the story of the Bible. Jesus isn't your homeboy. No, he's majestic. You know, he's God in the flesh. And these attributes of God include his absolute sovereignty. That's saying, like, God is in control. God is in charge. He's the creator. He's holy. means he's completely separate. He's set apart. He's transcendent. Here we are in space and time. We age. We hurt. All this, but God is above. He's outside of all that. God's powerful. And as we, con- as we contemplate his majestic greatness, it is unthinkable that any rational creature would not fear such a God. You know, if a creature knows God as he's revealed, he cannot help but fear him. This principle uh, for us is that God's people is this, that if you would grow in the fear of God, then you must feed your soul on the majestic greatness of God. And so we need to continue being in the word and and seeing who God is. That's why in the Bible, we see over and over and over when people uh, came across and had this encounter with God, like Moses, or, or the people, they were blown away. They were terrified. They were awestruck. It often led to worship. It often led to them bowing down. It often led to them falling 
flat on their face because they, they were terrified and there's nothing else that they could do than completely humble themselves and cry out, I'm unworthy. We see people worship when they encounter God in heaven, when we get a glimpse into heaven and uh, we see that the creatures in heaven were gathered around the throne singing songs like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You know, that's the only time in the Bible where um, uh, uh, something is used to describe God in a triplet form. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so we see this picture of people bowing at the presence of God because God is majestic. So we need to see, maybe we need to be awakened to the majesty, the bigness, the greatness of God. Is he a God of love? Yeah. But he's also the powerful one. So the third thing is this. The, uh, the third way I want to share that we can experience the healthy fear of God is we need to be reminded of the forgiveness of God. We need to be reminded of the forgiveness of God. The very fact of God's forgiveness, uh, forgiveness uh, should remind us who we are, and it should reveal to us who God is. You know, imagine real quick that you are in court. I mean, you guys have never been in court before, right? Okay. Most of you. Just as I suspected. Uh, but imagine you're in court in your own trial, Okay. Who's supreme in, in the courtroom? Yeah. So you say things like, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. No, Your Honor. Sir, ma'am. You know, you'll be respectful because they are supreme. And so imagine you're in court uh, for a second here, and you're on trial for murder, okay? All right? So we just go all the way. Murder. You're guilty, okay? You know you're guilty. Now, your life is in the judge's hand. You're not going to go in there and be disrespectful. You're not going to go in there and act like you, um, um, you're greater than the judge. No, you're guilty. Your life is in the judge's hand. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, your honor. And what if the judge, imagine the judge real quick said, I tell you what, uh, I know you're guilty. You know you're guilty. Our justice system demands that, uh, that this crime is paid for. And, and then the judge says, I will pay the penalty. Okay, I'll pay the penalty. And so what he does, he calls for his son and, and locks him up 30 years. So the penalty is paid for. I'll pay for it by sending my own son. See, what we have there is something that seems absolutely ridiculous uh, to our um, judicial system and to our just justice in our hearts. That doesn't make sense. That's too radical. And it, what it is here is it's a substitutionary atonement. And that's what the Bible says that God sent his son, Jesus. It's the exact same story. That God sent his son, Jesus. When we deserve hell, when we deserve uh, uh, God's character, can't go against justice. But his, he, he loves God is also a God full of love and full of mercy and full of grace. And so he's like, look, I'll pay the price. And I know how radical, I know how extreme uh, this is. I know how ridiculous this may seem or sound, but I will send my son Jesus to pay the price for you who have fallen short. And God is so great that his forgiveness and his love are, is seen more clearly 
when we view it in the context of who God really is and we have a, an appropriate fear of God. See, when we think Jesus is our, when we think God's our teddy bear, you know, we're not very overwhelmed by that, his love, right? Because that's what he's supposed to do. He's there for me. But when we, view jo- when we view God as a just, a holy, majestic, righteous God, man, his love could overwhelm us, right? His love overwhelms us when we see who God really is. Because his love only makes radical sense in the context of his justice. And we see that God went to the lengths of sending his son to die on a cross for you and for me. James 4, 17 and 18 says, This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fear is not, fear is not made perfect in love. And so we no longer have to fear punishment. We no longer have to fear judgment because of what Jesus did on the cross. When we trust Jesus' sacrifice, his sacrifice covers us. We no longer fear judgment. We no longer fear punishment. We no longer have to fear death. We no longer have to fear hell. Why? Because we fear God. And God's love, it covers us. We don't come to God like an abusive king who flippantly yells off with his head and at any whim we're, we're terrified. We come to him as a sovereign king who would do anything and who, do, who did do everything to make a way for us by sending his son Jesus. And so Jesus' work on the cross is the ultimate expression of fear and, and perfect love working together. Powerful? Oh yeah, God's powerful. Is he loving? Yeah, he's loving. And so, church, maybe you need to be kind of be reminded or, or um, awakened towards the idea of who God is and that we need to, we need to learn to fear. We need to have this healthy uh, fear, of, not of our failures, this, not of, not of uh, our being rejected, uh, we need to not, not be afraid of uh, what other people think, not be afraid of our own limitations, not afraid of uh, connecting and, and intimacy with other people, not afraid of the anxiety and the worries and the stress of life, but no, we fear God in a healthy way by growing close to him, proximity, by seeing his majesty and seeing the story of forgiveness and the cross and what that means for us. We can grow in the fear of the Lord in a healthy way. Exodus twenty twenty. Moses responded to the people, do not, do not be afraid, for God has come to test you so that you will fear him. And so you will not sin. And so our response to, tr- our response to fearing God, our response to fearing God, well, our response is to trust in him. In fact, that's our response that God calls, that's the, that's the response, ultimate response that God calls uh, for, for us in the scriptures is to trust him. And so like for the Israelites, he, he, was, he wanted them to have a fear of God so that they would not sin, so they would not live against God's will and God's way. And, and so we don't live how we want if we fear God. We trust God, we trust his word, we trust his way because he is God and I am not. 
2 Corinthians 7, uh, 1 says, So then, dear friends, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion or maturity in the fear of God. So it's in the fear of God that we walk our faith out every day and that we live and we grow to be more and more like Jesus, more mature and more complete in our identity because we fear him. God didn't give you a spirit of fear and timidity. And so when we view this life through the lens of who God is and we fear him and fear him only, man, we will be on a path towards erasing all the other fear in our life when we fear him. Because he gives us a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline.